Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I am your host, Lauren Coletti. Happy Friday, y'all. Thank you for joining me. Today is April 2nd, and I'm in New York, and it snowed today, the second day of April, and it's 30 degrees. It's very interesting. Uh, I feel like the weather here is just never predictable, but you do what you can with what you've got, and you work with it. So, that being said, um, April is also National Child Abuse Prevention Month as well as Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So I just want to take this time now to create a safe space. Um, this is going to be a very deep and vulnerable conversation. So major, major trigger warning, um, major trigger warning. So please proceed with caution um, and practice self-care as always. But I do invite you to get involved, and I'm having this difficult conversation, the hard conversations, as I always say, are the most important, in hopes to raise awareness and in hopes to prevent these horrific instances of sexual assault and child abuse and sexual harassment and everything that goes along with it, because I myself am a survivor and I'm going to share my story. So I please ask that you hold space and you are respectful because I do not entertain any negativity or hurtful, degrading comments or remarks. We're not here to judge each other. We're here to heal. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. My name is Lauren Coletti and I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor of sexual abuse I'm a survivor of domestic violence, and I am a survivor in recovery and currently still healing from mental illness. And today I'm going to be sharing my story. So before we get into the nitty gritty, I had a, a couple revelations the last couple of days. We'll be talking about forgiveness, and I want to first say that you are never obligated to forgive. You really don't owe anybody your forgiveness. However, you do owe it to yourself to forgive. And I never want to impose the idea that if you don't forgive, you're less than or you're inferior or your healing isn't complete or you'll never recover. But I think forgiveness is a journey, especially self-forgiveness. And it's a daily practice that I have to come back to and work on. And I want to tell a quick story before we get into this today. Um, I was in yoga yesterday and I've been doing a lot of meta meditations, which is loving kindness, specifically for this person that I find to be extremely irritating at my job. Um, and we always know that the way we see others is the way we see ourselves. So I've been sending love and light to this person trying to just let it go, let my resentment go, let whatever grievances or whatever triggers me about this person go. All while knowing that like everything is a reflection, right? And I've been trying to figure it out, but I just know that I have to keep practicing it because it's not an overnight thing, especially if someone consistently like agitates you and you have to see them every day. I've been consistently meditating on it and just saying, universe, allow me to be open to letting this go. So when I was in meditation yesterday after uh, yoga and savasana, 
or final resting pose, corpse pose, something came to my mind that I haven't thought of in a little bit, but in 2019, I was hit by a drunk driver and that drunk driver, my boyfriend at the time, got out of the car to confront the person to get her license plate and I got out of the car to call 911. And as my boyfriend steps out of the car, this individual speeds off and proceeds to run him over and hit him as she drives away. It was extremely traumatic and I'm getting kind of triggered talking about it right now because after she drove off and the cars let her get away, no one chased after her, no one tried to block her, blockade the road from her driving off, although it's nobody's fault, but my boyfriend was lying on the ground and I panicked and I was in shock because I thought he was dead. And um, I would say this is truly the hardest forgiveness I've ever had to come to terms with. And I can't say that I have fully forgiven this person. I want to forgive her, but at the same time, I want her to pay for what she did. And many of us feel this like this person needs to repent or else I can't forgive them. We we come from such a like superiority place when we're thinking about people that have harmed us or have hurt us greatly. And I, as much as I want to forgive this person, it just, I can't right now at least, because first off, I have so much resentment that nobody did anything about this. No one, the cameras weren't checked and my boyfriend at the time, thankfully, he ended up surviving. I actually got injured somehow more, but I thought of all of the hardship and the grief and the suffering and the trauma of this incident. And the idea that this person has no sorrow or doesn't feel bad at all for what she did. She never turned herself into the cops. It kills me. Hit and runs kill me. Um, and I'm sorry, I have to take a breath because this is like really fueling me up. But instead of being angry with ourselves for not being able to forgive someone that has done us wrong, someone that's made our lives that much more harder, can we be willing to let go of the grudge? Can we ask God to help us release any bitterness or hatred towards this person? That's what I'm working on. So let's get into it. I just I just felt kind of motivated or um, like inspired to share that if that resonates with anyone. Uh, because a lot of people, especially where I am in Long Island, don't stop when they get into car accidents. And that experience taught me a lot, but it also instilled a lot of fear in me. And forgiveness is a commitment to a personalized process of change. To move from suffering to forgiveness, you have to recognize the value of forgiveness and how it can really improve our healing. Identify what needs healing and who needs to be forgiven and for what in order to release resentment or anger. And forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. You don't have to like accept the same harmful behaviors or let this person back into your life. But forgiveness, it really 
is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of vengeance toward a person or a situation that harmed you. And the other person doesn't have to know necessarily that they're forgiven. It is a personal choice, a personal choice we have to come back to if we are ready, because a lot of us are not always ready. And I don't believe we need to forgive our abusers to heal, but I do believe that it does help to return from fear to love in those moments. So now I'm going to get into my story. So I'm sure a lot of you know, because I have a book about it called Trauma, Tears, and Triumph. Um, It's split into three sections, trauma, tears, and triumph. So I tried to end it on a happy note. And this isn't a pitch. You don't have to buy my book, but um, I wrote an entire book, very lengthy book about my journey with sexual violence and abuse. And I'm going to talk about a couple instances that have happened because this has happened on multiple accounts, unfortunately for me. But I would say the first time that comes to mind and trigger warning, please proceed with caution. The first time that I was assaulted, uh, it was my freshman year, my first semester of college. And it was a guy in my math class who was kind of like my buddy that person whose number we had to take down in case we missed class. And um, I was friendly with him. I didn't trust him, but he was an acquaintance. And I was a little further away than my class. So he saw me and he asked me if he wanted me to drive closer to class. Oh boy, I'm getting emotional here. And I got in the car with him, which I regret and I hold against myself. And I think as survivors of assault or rape, we do this a lot where we have that idea of, oh, if only I would have done this differently, it wouldn't have happened, thereby blaming ourselves and making it our fault, which it is never your fault. My sweet angel is not your fucking fault. Other people's actions are not your fault. Let me just say that. So to make a long story short, he locked me in his car and assaulted me and I didn't report it and I could do an entire episode on why survivors do not report, but that's nobody's business or nobody's choice except their own. And I had to see him in math class the rest of the semester and on campus for the next two years of my life, which was very hard. And... I proceeded to tell my boyfriend at the time what had happened and he completely degraded me and put me down for it and just added to the shame. I told my mom about it. I think she blamed me as well, which was probably not her intention, but many people, if it's never happened to them, they don't know how to respond, unfortunately. So they end up trying to rationalize it or say, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't have been too friendly with him. Not helpful. It did happen a couple more times, like little coercive things um, in the future. But the next time I can really recall is when I was in a relationship at 21 and he raped me multiple times. But the one time that really sticks in my mind was when I found out I had cancer and I had to get a procedure done to remove the cells and the gynecologist told me you cannot have sex for a couple of weeks until this is all healed and then you have to come back for a biopsy and follow up, etc. And I hung out with my abusive ex, who I believe to this day is a narcissist sociopath. Um, Many abusers are, but 
he didn't care and he completely violated me and forced himself on me. And I was screaming, no, no, no. And he put a pillow over my face and did it anyway. And the most disturbing part was afterward when he was done, he took the pillow off of my face and said, I love you. Ugh, God. Talk about like thinking about love with pain that, uh love means someone hurts you. It was very, very unfortunate and bad for my mental health. And then it happened again a couple years later, uh, which really sucks because I started taking self-defense classes because of my history of sexual assault. And I got friendly with the martial arts instructor because he was my age and I thought he was really attractive. And we started texting and we hung out one night and when he drove me home, he forced himself on me. Talk about ironic. I mean, come on. <laughs> so needless to say, I did not go back for my self-defense classes ever again. Also did not report, unfortunately. But uh, I think, you know, a large reason why many people choose not to report is because the violator, the perpetrator, instills this idea in our heads. They kind of brainwash us and condition to believe that it wasn't that big of a deal. So we kind of think we're over-exaggerating or making it all up, or no one will believe us. And then the next time it happened was last year. I went on a date, and the person assaulted me. Also did not report. (laughs) But after that happened, I did have a very empowering moment the next month. I was like, you know what? This is enough. Like, girl, you have taken a hit. I need to do something. So I called my college from when I was 18 and I reported the incident. Even though it was several years later, I know every state has different reporting protocol and procedures, but I believe in September, the fall of 2020, I reported my assault when I was 18 years old. And it was so freeing, it was so liberating, and I'm so happy I did it. Um, Not necessarily that I wanted to get that person in trouble, Not even that I could because I don't even know his last name, but I wanted the school to have the statistics that, hey, this happened and, hey, this is not okay in order to help other survivors, to let them know that, hey, me too, you are not alone. This isn't you. So that being said, what does forgiveness have to do with this? Well, that's my story and it still hurts to this day. It's made me have a very complicated relationship with sex and not feeling safe in my body. But forgiveness, let me just say this, is not a straightforward path. And many of us have issues with forgiveness, especially we have the idea of should forgiveness be offered unconditionally without the person even saying they're sorry. I think that's what really sucks is none of these people, I don't even know if they care about it, honestly, but they've never said they are sorry. And that can really sting because they burned you so bad, yet they don't take accountability. They don't apologize. And Part of what I'm learning is you can't rely on another person to take responsibility for what they did in order for you to be okay, in order for you to move on. Because these people 
these psychopaths, they don't have the empathy. They have no remorse. And a lot of them are repeat offenders, unfortunately. So I think when the time is ready, I will report the other incidences. I think there's something re-traumatizing about a survivor going into a police station and reporting and just feeling like the experience is happening all over again, especially if they're not believed, especially if the person that did this to them is in a position of power or in a higher like standing than them. Because a lot of these people that did this to me were seen as great guys. They were seen as great people. And that's the hardest part because it makes you doubt yourself. It like gaslights you in a way for you to think, it, it can't be them. They're so great. It must have been something I did. If only I would have said no more dominantly, if only I would have removed myself from the situation, then it wouldn't have happened. And this is a load of bullshit. And I remember when I was 19, I told a, I don't know if he was a psychologist or a therapist. I told him what had happened to me the year before. And he said, nobody forced this person to take advantage of you. It is not your fault. And I had to hear that it wasn't my fault. And to this day, I still have to tell myself it wasn't my fault because many people told me otherwise. I remember telling my sister, and this isn't to demonize her, but when that happened with the self-defense instructor, she said, well, you shouldn't be going in cars with people that you don't know. And I remember my mom said, well, that's just how guys are. And it is such toxic load of shit because as a feminist and as someone that is a survivor, it'd be really easy for me to hate all men, but I do not hate all men. I trust very few men, but I know there is so many good men out there. Just like not every woman is like all butterflies and rainbows and unicorns, you know, there's some shitty women out there, but there is a lot of good women too. I do not believe that most people are monsters or bad. I think a lot of people are wounded. And if I'm coming from a place of empathy and compassion, I realize that my ex was mentally ill and that's why he abused me. These people are sick and unfortunately abuse is a cycle. And I think people can go one of two ways. Abusers were abused and most people that are abused either become abusers or they continue to get abused, sadly. So I'm deciding that the cycle ends with me. And this isn't to condone or excuse their behavior. It's to say, this is who you are. I accept you. I accept this happened. And thereby, I'm going to let you go so that I can forgive and move on. And sadly, I think all in all, the hardest person for me to have to forgive in these situations is myself. <laughs> I think... I let it happen or I asked for it. And a lot of times in these situations, in these instances, I did get an intuitive nudge, but I ignored it. And I think I ignored it because of my history of emotional abuse. And that's teaching us to not trust ourselves. So the hardest person that it's been for me to forgive is myself. But I want to talk about what forgiveness does not mean. And I don't want to encourage you to forgive someone if you're not ready. I know that there is a large pressure placed on victims or survivors, however you want to identify, to forgive their abuser. But 
this just makes us feel more victimized. And I want to say that forgiveness does not mean that this person is involved. Oftentimes it's not. Sometimes and many times the abuser will not apologize. They won't feel sorry. Sometimes the abuser is not even alive anymore. And it is very important to not have any contact with an abuser for the most time. And even if this abuser, by some strange chance, is truly sorry and openly repents, forgiveness is about you. And it can happen with or without them being involved. But this does not mean you have to reconcile. These are two completely different things. You can forgive someone and hold that boundary and choose not to have a relationship with them. And off of that, even after you forgive and even if you choose to reconcile, you still have the right to enforce boundaries. Boundaries are so necessary for your safety, for your healing, for your comfortability and your privacy. And forgiveness does not mean that you will move on. Oh my God. I used to hear this all the time. I used to think, oh, if only I forgive this person, then I'll be okay with what happened. Mm -mm -mm. Forgiveness, depending on the offense, it can take years to heal and forgive. Some days I'm feeling all lovey and like, oh, God loves everyone. And God does love the people you hate, by the way. But sometimes I'm feeling super spiritual and connected and forgiving. And other times my emotions of grief and sorrow and sadness and feeling like hypervigilant are very intense. So forgiveness isn't a straight road. Sometimes it's an uphill climb and it's not uncommon to have both progression and regression. So allow yourself to take five steps forward and 12 step back, you know? This also does not mean we excuse or overlook the wrong. My abuse was fucking horrible. And there's nothing that can be done to change that. Trying to pretend it's all okay and it didn't happen and I'm fine is very dishonest with myself and ultimately more damaging. So I have to, you have to like acknowledge and validate yourself. This shit was a nightmare. But you know what I learned? Like forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Forgiveness doesn't cause you to forget what happened and that's okay. But this person took away three years of my life that I'll never get back. But am I going to let them take more years of my life? And a lot of times after abuse, even if this person is out of our lives, we continue to abuse ourselves. And I just want to let you know that you can talk about the experience. This is your life. It's your story. Don't ever let anyone silence you or take away your narrative. You can forgive someone and still tell the truth about what happened. And oftentimes, this is what will bring you the most healing and the best chance of forgiveness because many people who abuse us tell us that they treat us well. But I've learned that another person doesn't have to acknowledge what they're doing in order for it to be true. And trust is not required to forgive. If someone's broken your trust, only you get to decide if it is safe to rebuild that trust. If someone's abusive, they should expect to experience the consequences like loss of the relationship, loss of trust, exposure for their wrongdoing. And it's really unfortunate. Like I'm very happy that all of these strong women are coming forward in being abused in their business or sexually harassed in their companies. But I find it very sad that people that are ordinary or not in reporter jobs or government jobs, these people are less 
provided the tools to take legal action. It's only like these men who are these powerful men in positions of power and government, like mayors or lawyers that deal with job loss and repercussions. It's not the 21-year-old jock often on the team that abused us when we were intoxicated that gets like kicked to the curb, you know? And I just, this saddens me because I feel like every survivor should have the option of getting what the person deserves, you know, and deserves doesn't mean that an eye for an eye doesn't mean that they hurt us. Now we can hurt them, but everyone should own up to what they did. So forgiveness, like I'm going to wrap this up here, but forgiveness doesn't mean you stop keeping track of toxic patterns. And what that means is some abusers will literally guilt you for keeping track of their abusive behavior. And oftentimes they'll expect that your forgiveness will give them a clean slate or erase past faults. Um, A lot of times my abuser was very manipulative and like verbally abusive and he would gaslight me and make me believe that certain things didn't happen. And that's not the way it works. You can both forgive and document patterns of abuse for your own sanity so that you can make safe choices for yourself. And lastly, forgiveness does not mean you should not warn others. If the abuser is in a position to hurt others, forgiveness doesn't stop you from warning people that need to know about their actions. And in some cases, this is why I reported to my school because I felt like it was my duty to warn others. But it is never you're never like obligated to report to law law enforcement. That is everyone's personal decision, but there's so many like complex things in this. This is not one size fits all. And for me, forgiveness is about healing, processing, and accepting the reality of what happened. It's about getting to a point where it no longer consumes my thoughts or my ability to thrive because it did for a while. And forgiveness has nothing to do with the abuser and everything to do with you. Forgiveness is a process and not a single moment in time. So it's important to know that someone who is truly sorry for what they have done will respect your right to choose how you relate with them in the future. They will willingly accept your boundaries, the consequences, and the repercussions for their actions. They will not pressure you to forgive them when you are not ready, and they will not expect you to reconcile with them if you do not feel that that is best for you. So take your time, be gentle with yourself, and know that you deserve to heal.